I promise when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. When you shoot, when I shoot, I score. When you shoot, I score. A dumb play by, by Anderson. I love, I love Anderson. But it was a dumb play when, he had, when his foot was, uh, shoe was coming off, up the line because we were hard to take timeout. It is Sunday, October 10th, and the Vikings are two and three, and Greg Joseph has saved the Vikings season. Ryan Lundian, we were at the game. How does it feel? Feels good to not be at the game anymore. Um, <laughs> I took a look at my watch during the last drive and uh, while watching the, the final kick after he had missed, missed one from a shorter length um, five minutes prior. Um, I think my heart rate was averaging around 135, 140. So uh, it was nice to, to leave the stadium with a win, um, off the leg of Greg Joseph. And that's about, uh, about as good as I can feel for the performance the Vikings put out there today. Yeah, it was, it would feel a lot worse had we lost. Right. And it would have been a, not even overreaction, but just everything would be on fire and rightfully so, but you do get the win. I think we, I don't know about you, but we, you know, went through the game. We're like pretty frustrated with, especially the Vikings offense and the way they're playing against the Detroit team. That's and four going in, even though they've, I mean, they've played some other teams well. So I think we should take that away and like, you know, they may be a little more competent than in past years, but still, especially looking at that defense we're playing against and not being able to put up points. That was really frustrating, <clears throat> but you, you know, you come away from that with a, with a win in a game that uh, other than for about five minutes of real time, we thought we were going to win the whole time. And then I don't know about you, but I, I never felt like we were going to lose until the fumble by Alexander Madison. And it's like, and I figured they'd go for two after they scored because, you know, the defense had given up some points, but I didn't think they were, even if we punted it back to them, I didn't think Goff was driving the length of the field against, against that defense and scoring a touchdown, but you give it to them inside the 20 and, you know, of course they're going to score a touchdown, but, you know. Yeah. Even, even after the fumble, um, (laughs) the way the defense had played, I I had had a little faith um, just because Mike Zimmer's defense uh, as a whole over his eight years here, they've, they've generally been good in the red zone. Um, so I was thinking, even if you give up that touchdown, hopefully you can get a stop on that two point conversion. Um, just putting a lot of faith in the lions being the lions and that didn't, didn't work out. They were able to score the touchdown after the Madison fumble um, converted the, the two point conversion and, 
at that moment in the stadium, I was, I was definitely a little taken back. Um, definitely thought Mike Zimmer's clock in Minnesota had sped up and um, I wasn't expecting to win the game at, at that point. Yeah. I, I was a little bit like in my heart, of course I want them to win, but also the way that they played, it was frustrating. It was like, they kind of deserved what they got to, as far as that game getting becoming close and having a chance to lose, but they did put it together and drive down to, um, you know, Kirk made a couple of nice throws and they got within field goal range, which basically field goal range for Je- Greg Joseph apparently is anywhere from 55 yards to 50 yards because you go inside of that and it's not going to work. But, as long as you're over 50, he's money. Yeah. He's got, got those windows inside 30. I think he's okay. And then 50 plus anything in, in between, it's kind of a wild card. It was so bizarre. Cause he, I didn't even see what happened on the 49 yard field goal. That was somehow short. I don't know if it was a bad hold or he just mishit it or what, but that's, you never see that missing short. So, but he stepped up and, and made the field goal on the Vikings one, but I know we want to get into you know, it's good that the Vikings won and they needed this as far as moving forward and hopefully getting to three and three next week before the bye. But I think we were the main kind of story of the game that we were talking about throughout was just the lack of of cohesion and production on offense outside of the first. When, oh, the Madison touchdown was in the second quarter, but they moved the ball pretty well in the first half up until towards the end of the first half. And then just what we've seen now through through pretty much all five games of the season with the exception of the Cincinnati game is things shutting down in the second half. And this was to even more, even a greater extent. And I think a lot of it was play calling with even starting before, you know, I think the first point of frustration was when we get the ball back before halftime with 40 seconds left and two timeouts and just take the air out of the ball and go into halftime with a couple of runs. So I think, I mean, the, people were booing at that point. It was, you know, it, it didn't make any sense. You have, you have Justin Jefferson who is uncoverable by, especially by the Lions team and you have, you know, what's supposed to be a pretty explosive offense. So, so that was really frustrating. And unfortunately that carried over into the second half with, I think it was a three and out right after halftime, maybe one first down and punt and they just could not get anything going. And, you know, we should mention, of course, Dalvin cook was out in this game too. So Madison got a lot of touches. Madison had 25 carries with, he busted a couple big ones, but other than that was pretty, the, the production was, was lacking. And from there, other than Jefferson, we really couldn't get a passing game going either. Thielen didn't have any catches until that very last drive. He had two catches. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about the offense, but that, that was the main frustration. The question I think is how much of that is, Zimmer saying, Hey, we have the lead. I want you to, you know, back things down and, you know, we want to trust our defense, which I think is, you know, what he's hung his hat on for years, but we can't have that. I mean, you can't do it to that extent. Or if it's really Kubiak struggling in the second half with some of this play calling and really not being able to make adjustments or, you know, figure things out once things get taken away. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, the whole, the whole situation leading up to the end of the first half um, was frustrating. The, the Vikings called a timeout with a minute four left, and I was excited that um, 
they were going to call a timeout. The Lions were approaching midfield, so it wasn't going to be great field position, but um, Zim was looking to give his offense a chance to, to do something. Um, then they end up getting getting a first down, and then they go into attack mode, um, throw a couple incomplete passes, and I think we get the ball back with, with 40-some seconds left. Um, but we get the ball at the 25 because they've made a field goal and then kicked off into the end zone. And like you said, they just take the, the air out of the ball. Then they come out of the locker room. It was a three and out um, highlighted by a second and 17 run. Um, and I, that's right. It was the first play after half that Rashad Hill got blown up, wasn't it? Yeah. He gets blown up. Kirk gets sacked. Um, and then from the sack, we go into a minimal gain or negative run. And then we're in third and 18 or third and 15 plus. And what it's tough to expect any offense. I don't care how explosive you are to pick that up on a consistent basis. Um, especially the Vikings who are so conservative that they're not going to try and pick it up. They'll run a wide receiver screen or a bit of screen to the, the running back. Some, some low risk play, um, a draw even is, is typical Viking. So I, I think what you said, it would, and we'll never get the answer to this, but to know how much Zim is in the ear of Kubiak with, I want you to run at least 33% of plays in, in the second half, or you have to run at least once per set of downs. Uh, I don't know if there is any hard and fast rule that, that Zim has put in place as much as people complain that that Zimmer is a glorified defensive coordinator because he just focuses on the defense, at this point, I'd rather have him just focus on the defense and give free reigns to the offensive coordinator um, because that's what they've they've done. They've come up within the offense, seen people calling plays, and Zimmer's been on the other side of that. So the it's hard to place a lot of blame on on any specific player for the offensive woes in the second half throughout the the season and I think they actually played decent in the second half against the Seahawks Um, they didn't put the ball in the end zone but I think they scored on most of their drives Um, so they at least moved the ball Mm -hmm. but specifically last week and, and, and this week we weren't moving the ball. It was just a punt fest in, in the second half. Luckily the defense kept us in the Browns game and then um, kept the lead in, in this Lions game. But as much as you want your defense to be great, you're asking a lot out of them. If you, if you can't put some, some points on the board or have some sustainable drives to give them a breather, yeah, I don't – so over the course of Zim's time in Minnesota, you and I have both been big fans of him. I am I just tend to buy a lot of what he's selling as far as his defensive mindset, his personality, even a lot of his kind of old-school philosophies and stuff, while also just – I mean, more than anything, the culture that he's built here, the way that he turned this franchise around when he showed up. And I think he's done a lot to earn a lot of goodwill – the, the place that he does lose me sometimes is, is some of the game management stuff. And specifically, you know, he explained after the game that, that before halftime, they were doing the classic, 
take, have a run on first down, see if you get five or more yards. If you do, then you're going to go. If not, you're not, which is just a like 1970s football thinking, you know, especially when you have, you know, an explosive passing offense and two timeouts too. Like, I think if you don't have any timeouts, maybe that makes sense, but not in the situation that they were in. So that kind of stuff is where, is where I do see valid criticism of, of Zim, because that's obviously coming from the head coach more so than the offensive coordinator. I think overall game plan wise and, and second, second half execution that's on Kubiak. I don't see, I, I just don't believe that Zimmer is like, Hey, I don't want you to be explosive. I don't want you to throw the ball. I just, I don't think that that's been, been true. I think when they've been able to run it, he'll say, keep running it. And we want to control the game that way. But if they're not, then I don't think that he's going to force that. So, so I think overall, my concern is more with Clint and, you know, he's a first time offensive coordinator, first time play caller. So hopefully these, some of these game plan things can get worked out. I was hesitant to like worry about the second half struggles with, you know, those stats have been coming out the last couple of weeks. And I do think it's true that, you know, in the Cardinals game and in the Seahawks game, the Vikings moved the ball. They just didn't have touchdowns. They had field goals. So, but I do think there is something, you know, we've, we're through five games now. I think there's something to it as far as, as making adjustments when the defense tries to take things away, which leads me to the main thing that they wanted to take away, which was Justin Jefferson, who had over hundred yards in the first half and is just, you know, they've been saying Dalvin cook is the best player on our offense. And that's, I think that time is over. I think, Right now, this is Justin Jefferson's offense and team, and he is as good as any wide receiver in the NFL and needs to be targeted and game-planned for as such. Like I said, watching Justin Jefferson is very fun. He completely was the almost entire offense in the the first half. Um, I think as the season goes on, if it hasn't already happened to this point, he's going to draw that. Um, number one cornerback and and start to be shadowed, which hopefully will will open things up for Adam. Um, the past two weeks haven't haven't looked good for him, but Adam's a vet. I I believe he'll bounce back. Um, I hope he bounces back. Anyway, better. But Justin Jefferson is if if he and and Delvin are both getting their touches, um, I, I feel good about this offense. I. I get concerned when he has over hundred, Justin Jefferson has over hundred yards in the first half. And then there was like three minutes left in the third quarter and the Vikings had had a number of drives in the second half and we hadn't even got him a target. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like you're, you got to manufacture targets for players of that caliber caliber. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this. I don't remember which, which game it was, but at this point, I think you have to kind of, to some extent, give Kirk the keys. I mean, he has the keys already, but fully, like, it's time to live or die with, with Kirk Cousins, which we're going to die eventually, spoiler alert. But I think it's going to be better than trying to make him just into a game manager, especially now that you have KJ Osborne coming on as a wide receiver three, even D.D. Westbrook showing something. You know, the tight ends are leaving something to be desired, but Conklin's all right. And then you have, you know, when Cook is healthy and Madison out of the backfield and even CJ Ham. So the concern is pass protection still, you know, that's taken a step back the last couple of games. And 
we're going to get into Darisaw in a minute, but as he made his, his left tackle debut in like alternating possessions, which was weird. But all I'm saying is it needs to be not even pass first, but just thinking of fully unleashing the passing attack. And that, you know, in some cases, especially when, if you're running the ball, well, if you, if they were getting first downs running the ball, when they were, you know, up seven in the second half, up 10, then that's great, but they weren't. And then they get into these weird scenarios and then the screen game's not working either. So you have to drop back. And the good news is you've got the receivers to do it. So drop back and pass. So just do it. (laughs) That's, that's what I, that's where I bet. I think again, Kirk is not going to do everything for us, but I think that because of the weapons that he has, that is a better avenue for success than 25 carries for Alexander Madison, even though he had, you know, some production, but it's just not good enough in, in today's NFL. I think you have to use Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game first to then, you know, hopefully from there you can still run the ball. And it is different when Dalvin's out there too. He is certainly a, a st- three, two, three steps above Alexander Madison. So if he's fully healthy is the other question. So I'll just say that again. I think it needs to be a full unleashing of, of Kirk cousins as far as giving him the opportunity to, to make plays and he's going to make mistakes too. He had a bad pick in this game, which was looked like a miscommunication with the, with the receiver, but that's, I can't watch these, all these runs that go nowhere followed by a little dump off and a punt, like not when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Yeah. I would, I would even circle this back to the end of um, half offense. Um, As much as Zim says he wants to trust his defense and and he's going to just run out the clock, get to halftime. I feel like instead of that run and if you get five or more yards and now you've got the clock running, to see if, if you're going to go um, try and score, why not just take a deep shot? Let, mm-hmm. let Kirk unleash it for 40 yards. Um, you have Justin Jefferson and Adam, and Adam Thielen, who both um, are above average in contested catch. I'd say top quarter of the league in, in contested catch with no stats to back that up. But <laughs> worst case scenario, it's picked and it's, as if you punted and then trust your defense not to let them score. Like Justin Jefferson gets open and is making all these catches and then we don't use them. Um, I think you and I talked, I believe it was last week that he needs to at least see 10 targets a game. Yeah. Um, what did he have? He had eight today, which is still not enough. So eight, eight targets, seven receptions and 124 yards. And I know the target that he didn't catch wasn't the pick. So clearly getting him the ball isn't hurting our offense. Yeah. It makes so much more sense for your, not to get into like too deep into like end of the half philosophy, but yeah, for your, like you said, your play, that's going to determine if you're having success on offense or not to be instead of a little draw out of the shotgun to be, 20, even 20 yards down the field shot to, to one of your wide receivers because 
if it's incomplete, you stop the clock. Whereas after the run, you're already either going to use a timeout or like waste 15 seconds. So it's not, if you know, teams that do that aren't actually trying to score. They're just trying to like have an excuse to not, you know, unless you break something for like a 25 yard run, which rarely happens. But so that's, that's the most frustrating thing to me was that at the end of the half. And I do think it carried over because they couldn't establish anything after that. The one, and we can, if there's anything else on the offense, we can say so. But the one other thing I wanted to mention for offense was one thing that could potentially help take this offense to the next level is if you have even average at the left tackle spot in pass protection specifically. Rashad Hill's been getting killed the last couple weeks. I haven't seen like his, you know, grading or whatever for today, which is probably, it can't be worse than it was last week, but it's still, he got beat a few times for sure, badly. So Christian Derrissaw comes in and I don't have a ton of highlights or evidence to back up like, oh, he was this much better than Hill. But the one, the one drive they scored a touchdown on was when he was out there and he wasn't obviously getting killed by, you know, by the pass rush. So I would like to see him start next week. It'll probably be after the bye if I had to guess, but he could be, if, you know, if you do have confidence in the pass protection, which it seems like they had more in the first couple of games and now it's kind of fallen off, which I think has led to some of these play calling decisions. Cause they think running is going to, you know, keep the pass rush off their back, which, you know, it does to some extent, but ultimately you need to be able to drive back and pass. So if, if Darius, can come in and be that, you know, league average, or, you know, he was a first round pick. Hopefully he can be pretty good. Then I think that will hopefully give them the confidence to, you know, establish some more of that air attack just on drop back passes and, you know, throwing the ball down the field instead of screens and bootlegs and play action and stuff, which is all good, but to some extent they need to be able to, to drop back and pass. So hopefully yeah, I'd love to see more Darisaw. I would, I would love to as well. Um, you mentioned Hill getting beat the last two weeks and, and it's not just how often he's been getting beat, which has been often, but it's the way he's been getting so beat. fast. Like the, the defensive end, it's not, they're not running stunts that we can't pick up. They are just that much stronger than him that they push over Rashad Hill. I don't know if he can't backpedal. I don't know if he refuses to, but he just gets pushed and falls over on his back. And then they've got a free shot at Kirk. Um, And again, like you said, we don't have stats to back it up and and we haven't seen the grades, but um, one thing we did mention at the game is how big Darisaw was Mm -hmm. um, or how big he seemed in comparison to Rashad Hill um, and, and how he just wasn't getting blown off the line or, or pushed back into his set the the way Rashad was yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see if that if they come come ready with him starting next week or what the other you know Oli Udo has been up and down too so the other guard spot is a concern but the interior is at least a lot better than it was last year so I think if you shore up that left tackle then that's you know a pretty good place to be moving forward so last thing I'll say on the offense Adam Thielen the people are out here they're saying you've lost a step I don't know who's saying it I may be saying it but (laughs) We need to see a bounce back. Let's, you know, and not just touchdowns. Like let's put up a good, a couple good stat lines and take advantage of, of the opportunities that Justin Jefferson's giving you. And if, you know, if Dalvin cooks out there all the more, you know, people are not going to be keying on you 
on defense. So he needs to, if he's still at the level he's been at for the last four or five years, which has been a great run, he needs to be taking advantage of that. Agreed. Should we move on to the defense? Yes. So my thought is the defense played pretty well the last three weeks. Those games have all been at home. Do we think that they've figured things out? Do we think, I mean, I don't want to give us too much credit as the fans being there, but I do think, you know, home field advantage helps too. So it'll be interesting to see next week if, you know, how well that travels. I do think that there's a lot to build on that's been been better the last couple of games, but it's hard to know for sure when, I mean, they've always been better at home. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know. I don't think Anthony Barr had a very splashy game when it, when it comes to stats, but that's also not his role. Um, I just felt 10 times better about the defense with him out there. Um, I felt like watching the Browns game, um, what I was able to watch and and listen to um, Nick Vigil, just there there's four or five plays a game that you watch that play and you say, Anthony Barr can make that play, especially in the run game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, having him back is huge um, for the run game, um, especially covering running backs out into the flats. I feel like he's very good at that. Um, I think having Anthony Barback in the run game allows Eric Kendricks to be the Eric Kendricks that we know. Um, Kendricks had a, a pick in this game, um, which was beautiful, by the way. I don't know. He's got pretty good hands for a linebacker. Um, I don't want to crown the defense after a decent performance against, um, the Lions squad that, that isn't, isn't any world beaters on offense, but I am encouraged by what I've seen at least the last three weeks, um, to at least have an average defense where if the offense can get things going, like they were in weeks one through three, then, then I feel good about our squad. Yeah. They've, they've um, certainly limited the blown coverages that we saw the first couple games. So that's, that's huge. And they are getting run on still more than I would like to see. And a lot of that is vigil. And some of it is Michael Pierce was out this game. And I think that they're okay with kind of the Ben, Ben, not break philosophy at this point. And the hope is, you know, Dantzler will be back next week off the COVID list and stuff. And Breland had enough, had another, I mean, a lot better than his other games, but still struggled some today. So that's kind of the weak spot on the, on the outside. So I do think it's better. I don't know if it's quite as good as what we've seen in the last three weeks, you know, every week, and you're going to play some, some really good offenses, but it's so hard to compare. Like you see, you know, the Vikings hold the Browns to, 14 points or whatever it was. And a lot of that was even really hard to come by for them. And then the Browns go and put up 40 something points this week and have had some other really good offensive games. So it's hard to compare things like that. It's just like, you have to look at each game on its own. And that's why, you know, getting a win anytime you can is important, no matter how it looks. So yeah, the Kendricks pick was probably the highlight of the game other than, you know, game winning kick and, great for me great great game for me to wear my eric hendricks jersey too so that was great he hadn't really made a a splash play like that yet this season which he's usually done you know especially the last two years so he's still great he's 
well, not, I mean, Daniel Hunter at this point is our best uh, defensive player, but Kendricks is right there, right there too, I think. And the other person I wanted to shout out was, this has been probably the biggest, like pleasant surprise of the season, unexpected surprise, which is Everson Griffin returning to form. I, I mean, he's not peak Everson, but he's getting pressures, getting sacks, getting um, fum- forcing fumbles and has been a great addition. I mean, thank goodness he begged the team to, to sign him back because it was needed. I, I mean, those other defensive tackles, I mean, defensive ends that have not really contributed in, in many ways compared to him. And I think he's, he's not a starter by name yet, but he's been one of our most impactful players on the, on the front seven. Yeah, agreed. And I know Wanham got his uh, first sack today, um, which was with pretty well schemed up with a stunt and, and he had a, a clear rush to the quarterback, but um, Everson, especially since he's come back from his concussion, um, I, I totally understand why the media and fans are asking for him to get more snaps because he, he looks good. Um, I just hope he can keep it up throughout the year. Um, I love when, old players can kind of come back and, and revitalize their once illustrious Vikings career. Um, so we'll just see how long you can keep it up and, and hopefully for the Vikings, it's a long time. Yeah. Great to have him back. I think Tomlinson looked pretty good today too. Hopefully Pierce isn't out too long. We mentioned when we were at the game that Michael Pierce was not put on IR. So hopefully he can be back soon too. And yeah, the run defense would still be my concern, but for the most part, they've limited big plays in that. So that's all you can really ask for. It's not going to be the the old Williams wall or, you know, the run defense of of four or five years ago that was so, you know, with Tom Johnson and Linval and everyone. So it's just not yeah, realistic. I think I think the biggest thing is they have been getting run on, um, but third and two, third and one, fourth and two, fourth and one. I have hope that, that we can actually get a stop um, where last year, I don't know if there was a running play that gained less than three yards the entire season. So they're not a good run defense by any means at this point, but even as bad as they are, they're better than last year. For sure. Yeah. I, I should look, let me see if I can find, I wonder what the season stats are. I'm looking at the stats from today. Everson had two sacks today. Daniel had one. I think both of them have more sacks already this season than the Vikings had, like any individual Viking had last year. Because the most was Yannick Ngakwe, who had like three and a half or something. Right, yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> In his I think like four right. games. So that's good. I mean, the pass rush is the most encouraging thing for the defense for me. And the secondary is still is a lot better than it was last year, but still I don't have a lot of faith in it without the pass rush, you know? So Harrison had a chance at a pick today, which would have been nice. That he wasn't able to bring in, but overall I feel good about, about that. And my hope is that the offense can figure something out moving forward. Cause we've seen the potential that they've had in the first few games. So they just need to kind of get back to that. I don't know what Dalvin the other thing I would say is with Dalvin him being like a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent is more important than him playing. I think we like last week when he was not as, you know, 
some of that had to do with the Cleveland defense too, but it's clear that he's been playing through an injury. So I don't know the specifics of the injury, but if it's something where his ankle can get back to a place where he's confident in it in two weeks after the bye, then I would much rather that than him try to, you know, play with it all taped up and potentially still tender next week. So hopefully he can get to that point. I don't know if it's, I don't know what Sugarman has said, but. Right. And I think the, as much as we've complained about Madison, not being Delvin cook, um, both yard or both games that he's fully taken over, he's had over a hundred yards on the ground. Um, so I, I think, like you said, if, if there's any question that he could re-injure it or has a higher chance to re-injure the ankle next week, where two weeks from now against the Cowboys, he comes back a hundred percent. I would lean that route. Um, and like we've said earlier, just give Kirk the keys and, and open up the offense a little more. Um, if you're concerned about not having Delvin back there. Yeah, so we've talked about next week a little bit already. So we have we're at Carolina. Carolina is an interesting team. They've, I think, been better than a lot of people expected, but they lost today and still are. It's just uncertain, like what exactly they are as a team. So should be a good matchup because I think the Vikings are the same way in a lot of ways. So if the Vikings can go in there, you know, here we are with like the once again I'm asking the Vikings to get to 500. So if, <laughs> if we get to three and three, like going into the buy that's that's a fine spot to be so that's a big game that's the goal three and three heading into the buy and we'll go from there yep i think three and three is 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 great the way the division looks um packers almost got beat today and that's kind of the only real concern i have i guess the bears won today as well but um i don't trust the bears at this point so if you stay within striking distance through the bye, the Packers have a really tough schedule um, the second half of the year. So get the win on, on Sunday, go into the bye, rest up and get healthy, and we'll get back at it. Yeah, before we go, I want to give a quick fantasy shout-out. So I know nobody wants to hear about our fantasy teams, and we're not going to talk about our fantasy teams. What I do want to talk about is something that we have been playing and I've been playing kind of focusing on this year other than my fantasy team, but for daily fantasy and it's called the bad QB league. And so this is on FanDuel. and what you do, this is something we did with some buddies like in college when there were, there was this website, Grantland that did it like all manually, but now it's on FanDuel. And what you do is you pick six quarterbacks and they're like in different tiers and you get, it's basically reverse points. So you get points based on how bad they do. So, you want interceptions and you know, whatever else, and you don't want touchdowns. So, I mean, this probably says a lot about my fantasy career, but I'm better at this than I am at normal daily fantasy. And it's a lot of fun to kind of just reverse it and to root against people and root for, you know, who do you think is going to throw a pick and yeah. Cheer for the chaos. Yeah. Cheer for the chaos. Um, I will say when we played in college, Josiah did win Um, his winnings, I think are still in the mail. There was a mix up with the post office, but um, Josiah is weirdly good at, at bad QB, um, which, like you said, probably says a lot about your fantasy career. But I also don't have any fantasy 
wins to uh, to talk with. So bad QB is a, a good change of pace for those of us that struggle. It's fun too. And for me, like what I don't want is to be in, I'm in like two normal fantasy leagues and I don't want to have like so many different daily lineups that it's like, I'm cheering for everyone and I'm cheering against everyone because I have these random people on my team and these random people on my daily and like, it's too much to follow. So this is really easy to follow because it's just the quarterbacks and touchdowns are good. Interceptions are bad. Like, I mean, sorry, touchdowns are bad. Interceptions are good. That's basically it. And obviously yardage and stuff is factored into, but it's easy to follow, easy to kind of evaluate on the fly on a busy Sunday. And it's just fun. So if anyone is interested in checking that out, it's on FanDuel and you know, I'm hoping to, I've like doubled my money the last couple of weeks, like three to $6 isn't much, but hopefully, it, hopefully I'll strike big one of these weeks and shout out Jared Goff, who had a nice bad QB performance for me today. Exactly. All right. Any final thoughts on the Vikings as we, you know, got to two and three, it wasn't the way we wanted to, but we got there. Yeah. My final thoughts, I guess, are, are mostly with the coaching staff. Um, I feel like we have the players to execute a very solid game plan on both sides of the ball. Um, if, if we can figure out the play calling, I like our chances. Yeah. And here's what I want to say to people who are like, there's a lot of like Zimmer frustration out there right now. And there has been for a little while. And I understand some of it, like we've talked about, we're more pro Zimmer than probably most, but he's not getting fired during the season, no matter what happens, unless it's like an urban Meyer situation. So people need to get that out of their heads. Like maybe if they had lost today and there was like some terrible, like sound after the game or whatever, maybe something would have happened at the bye. But at this point, the way that this franchise like runs and also they don't have like an heir apparent or anything. So you're stuck with them for this season. So you guys better get on board. And that's how I feel about Kirk too. Nothing I say about Kirk right now is an indication of how I feel about Kirk long-term. Like this is, how do we win this season? How do we have the best team this season? And we're it's Kirk and Zim. So everybody hop on for the ride. Yeah, exactly. I like it. All right. Okay. Thank you. We'll be back um, potentially next week. And I'm sure we'll have some more extended conversations over the bye week too. So hopefully we can get to three and three. That's the goal. It's cool. Yep. All right. It's cool. Since I first got here, I never stopped working. Today was when all the work paid off and, you know, God put me in a position and I just try to take, a, take advantage of my opportunities.